welcome to WBAI. Thank you so much. Uh, well, like you said, the film is called Daddy Don't Go, and um, it aired on the Stars Network um, in 2017, and it's still streaming on the network. It's also available via New Day Films. And uh, we screened it over 35 film festival. We won eight Best Documentary Awards. Yeah, it's a really good film. And uh, that payoff was very sweet for us because myself and the other three main film uh, filmmakers, Andrew Namchul Osborne, Susan uh, Burton, and Karen Thompson, and myself, we worked on this film for five years, pretty much unpaid. Uh, and the fathers weren't paid also, right? Yeah, documentary subjects do not get paid. We feel like that compromises the uh, journalism mm. element. Um, so these projects are always a real labor of love, and mm. this one in particular. Uh, you know, we did get some funding, um, but when it comes to social just justice documentaries, um, you really have to have the heart for it. Yeah, and how did you come upon this topic? These, I think it's a brilliant... Uh, unexamined subject matter, single fathers, and the difficulties that they have, but how did you come upon it? Well, um, I used to be a caseworker in New York City, and um, I was interacting with a lot of fathers who I felt really kind of negated the deadbeat dad stereotype. These were men who were often fatherless themselves, but very um, ambitious about being good dads against the odds. And they were parenting with very little resources financially, but a lot of love. And these men also very much reminded me of my own father. Uh, my father was a refugee from Nazi Germany hmm. and, uh, you know, was able to escape by living in an orphanage for a couple years and then moved to New York City, poor immigrant, didn't speak mm -hmm. the language, mm -hmm. and through a bunch of complicated circumstances basically lost uh, uh, access and lost uh, his relationship with his own father. Um, so he was a very passionate and dedicated father to me, in part because he was making up for the absence of his own dad. And I very much saw the sort of continuation of that story in a lot of the men that I was interacting with as a caseworker. And so I think that's why I personally felt very driven to make this film. Mm. So, yeah, I could see the passion in the filmmaking um, and the real authenticity of the men. Like, how did you get these four men? Because uh, just for the audience to know, it's really basically following four men and their family life for how many years? Two years. For two full years. They don't make any money doing this. You're in their face a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm curious about the process, how you convince them to volunteer for this and where you get them and did you have more than four men to start with did you lose any um and and how these four lasted yeah well let me begin by saying that i am eternally grateful to the four fathers in this film who gave us such intimate access to the ups and downs of their family life and uh so those four men um nelson serrano omar Alex and Roy, they, um, they were very courageous in allowing our cameras into their lives. And I think they did so and we did so because of this deep commitment to wanting to show disadvantaged dads who were showing up for their kids against the odds, you know, as a real pushback to this deadbeat dad stereotype that we just thought was really outdated. And, um, you know, casting is, is everything in a documentary, just like it is with any film. And um, when I say casting, I, I use that word intentionally because you really pick and choose, you know, and it took me six months to find these men. Um, I found three of them through the organization Bronx, the Bronx Defenders um, because I just happened to have a conversation with mm. someone who worked there, and he said, I know exactly the kind of guy you're looking for, and we have a lot of men like that um, who, who are our clients at Bronx Defenders. And so that was an amazing resource for us, and that organization in general just went above and beyond in terms of supporting our efforts to tell this story. Mm. And it was very complicated access-wise because we were filming a lot in Bronx Family Court and in Bronx Criminal Court, and, you know, we had to have, you know... Court approval. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that was a process. Um, and... 
you know, unbeknownst to us at the time, um, one of our fathers was sort of caught up in the criminal justice system. Um, so we weren't expecting to, um, you know, take that journey into the mm. New York criminal justice system. But that's that's, that's where the, the story went. some of the best footage in the documentary. Thank you. Um, thank you. Really compelling stuff. Yeah. Seeing a young man who really wants to be a father and stay a father and not be a, 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 away from his child for a year, two years, however long it was. Don't give anything I away. I won't give it away, but uh, <laughs> we got to say again how they can get access to it. The documentary film is called Daddy Don't Go. Yes. And uh, it's on the Stars Network, but how can they get it? Let's say tonight they want to watch it. You can access it through New Day Films, um, and the DVD is available for purchase, but you can also stream the film. It's also available on Canopy. Um, and I believe they're also giving away free copies uh, through WBI as part of their fundraising yes, we, campaign. No, they won't be free, <laughs> <laughs> but they're worth free. You know, I mean, it's it's worth a donation, folks. And we'll talk about that during Fun Drive next week when it's coming up. Actually, uh, we won't be on next week, but we'll be on the following week. The Fun Drive starts next April 29th. It mm -hmm. starts. So next Wednesday we won't be on because of May Day. But after that, we'll talk about getting you out this film. Um, it's definitely worth a contribution to the station. We'll talk about that during Fun Drive. Uh, so, yeah, that was really compelling footage of Alex, who didn't want to uh, go to jail just for the sake of his son and took a plea deal. Mm -hmm. um, but that's it. I won't say anything more about Alex, other than the, the, the rehabilitation program that he ended up going to. I'm sure you, when you started this, you didn't expect you would be going upstate to the training facility where he was given an option to go as a way of avoiding prison, um, the shock program, I think it was called? Yeah, I mean, um, I've always had major issues with mass incarceration, and I think, you know, our system is is incredibly overly punitive. Um, and spending time at this program with these men uh, who often were fathers. I believe like 80% of the male prison population are fathers. Um, and that's important to keep in mind because when you incarcerate an individual, you're not only incarcerating them, you're sort of to a certain effect sure. incarcerating their families, their communities. So there's a huge ripple effect. And mm. when I spent time in, in prison with, with Alex in this sort of boot camp program, I think it was, it was what was called the shock program yeah, upstate. I, yeah. Um, I was so struck by the integrity and the um, just kindness of, of a lot of the men that I interacted with. And um, I felt like in, an other, in another context, these men could be leaders. Um, and here they were locked up, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm sure there were lessons to be learned, and some of them were there for good reason. You know, I'm not such a bleeding heart liberal <laughs> that, sure. you know, I don't, I, I, I think sometimes that measure has to be taken, of course. But um, as was the case with Alex, you know, there's a real unfortunate ripple effect every time someone's incarcerated. But I think ultimately for him, this program was a good thing. And it sped up his sentence time. So, um, Was that yeah. Brockton, New York? Uh, not Brockton. Nope. Okay. Not just curious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a famous program. And, and yes. um, just a station break. You're listening to WBAI 99.5 FM on uh, New York City. My guest today is Emily Abt, the documentary filmmaker of Daddy Don't Go, which is a documentary about four single fathers um, raising their children. And we're going to be taking your calls. If you are a single father or were a single father, give us a call. Uh, we want to hear about your experience and any question you might have for Emily Apt, 212-757-5555. Give us a sense of your experience. I would love these four gentlemen to be here in our studio. Is there any chance we can get them? I wonder. That's a Yeah. That's a question. I could work on that for could sure. Could you? Yeah. Um, and I was, want to also encourage fathers who consider themselves disadvantaged to call. So you don't necessarily have to be a single father, um, but if you feel like you are contending with difficult circumstances, especially on a financial level, um, then I definitely think you'll relate to the subjects in this film. Um, and and that was really the emphasis. It's on disadvantaged fathers, not necessarily single fathers. Right. Although um, two, three of the fathers are single fathers. Right. Two one two seven five seven five 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 five. That's the number to call. 
Uh, we're talking with Emily Abt, and we're discussing the film Daddy Don't Go, a documentary about disadvantaged fathers. And there's a lot of indicators, aren't there, of children who grow up without a father in the home. It can be an indicator for a lot of challenges and issues later on in life. Absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's actually, I mean, and that was another huge motivation for making the film. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yeah, I mean, basically, um, more than any other indicator, if a child grows up without a father in the home, they are that much more likely to end up impoverished, which is very striking, you know, and... I think I share that wanting to recognize that it's not as if you if you grow up with just a single mom, you're going to be doomed. But I think what that statistic and what that information does show is that um, children need their fathers as much as possible, you know, and really benefit from having two parents in the home. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, Fatherlessness is definitely a, a social epidemic, um, and it's one that actually former President Obama was very active about because he himself was fatherless. Um, have you kept in touch with the subjects of the documentary after after the film? Yeah, I have. I have. Um, a lot of times the interviewing that I do that goes very sort of deep um, that is definitely a bonding experience between myself and my subjects. And um, so I, I have kept in touch, not with all of the dads. Um, for Roy, the film was pretty difficult. Um, and he he's definitely taken some space after uh, the making of it. I'm hoping he's going to come around. Um, but it was definitely... Was Roy the guy on Long Island? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see that was mm -hmm. tough for him. Yeah, he did come to uh, our big premiere screening, and I think that was a very healing thing for him to see how much people love the film. Um, but I also think we, we covered some really difficult ground in it. Um, and with Alex, I'm still very much in touch with Alex. He lives in Philly with his son now, um, definitely doing better. Um, Nelson... Uh, actually had another child since the making of the film, mm. still in New York, um, doing well. Uh, him and Rebecca were kind of off and on, him and his partner, but they're back together again, uh, which is definitely a good thing. And um, with Omar, I don't want to give too much away, but, um, you know, his, his situation continues to be a struggle, you know. And one of the things with this film and any documentary film is that it, it's it's a complicated story. And what I love about making documentaries is you actually have the time and space to kind of delve into some of those complications. And we didn't really sugarcoat how difficult it is um, for for these guys. No. We we also no. showed the joy and love in in their parenting, but. Um, these aren't simple, easy situations. It seemed almost the harder it was, the more devoted the father was. <laughs> I'm curious about the psychology of what happens to these fathers. Yeah. That as hard as their lives were, they wanted to be with their children, their, their son, their daughter, their children, so much more. I mean, it was just amazing to see the devotion. Everything was about my child, my child, my child. It's almost like, you know, I thought it's a, it's, it's a, a terrible way to do it, but it's a great way to grow up. Yeah. To be a man, it's a chance to really come into your manhood by well, becoming a father. Yeah, and that that was so important for us to show that um, basically these men had everything it took emotionally to to really be there for their kids. You know, I think even now we're still very much caught up in defining men by their paycheck, and um, yeah. a lot of times. Uh, men who are struggling uh, are very hard on themselves if they feel like they can't sort of fill that provider role. And oftentimes they're that much more mm -hmm. likely to leave the household and not be a father sure. because of the sort of humiliation factor. Of they course. feel like if they can't provide financially, then what good are they? And what we wanted to show with the film was that you don't have to even have a job to be a good father, to love your child, and that time is actually the currency of love much more than, 
you know, what you have in your wallet. Absolutely. And that's that's ultimately the message that, you know, what what matters the most is not what a father has in his pocket, but what he, he mm. has in his heart. We've certainly talked about how a lot of men struggle with the notion that their value in our society is as a human doing and not a human being. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, what do you do? How much do you earn? And Right. Yeah, I think that's important to draw the distinction between the two. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think if we could sort of give up and move away from this very archaic notion of of a man's value being based on what he earns, then we would create a space for men to lean into their parenting responsibilities regardless of their income. Because, I mean, as we now know, 50% of mothers are working and sometimes the woman makes more money in the family. Mm -hmm. So it really makes financial sense for the father to be the primary caregiver. And um, so that was what was really important for us to show. Yeah. There was a real partnership, though, I thought, with, with with the men that did have partners. It seemed like there was real closeness there. In, in those relationships, maybe it's hardship and disadvantage that brings a couple together. I don't know what you said, Omar, Omar is still struggling, but he wanted to have another child. Mm-hmm. And the, his, the woman in his life miscarried, mm-hmm. but he had four children, mm-hmm. right? So what did you notice about the way these men were committed to the relationship and to the children? Well, I think that's another stereotype that needs addressing is I think we all understand as a society that women often have this maternal desire and real need to parent. I mean, here I am wearing a necklace that says mama. Um, (laughs) Are you one? Yes. I have two little girls and Uh yeah, I always wanted to be a mother. I love being a mother, but I, I meet a lot of men like that as well. And the, the men in this film uh, definitely felt honored by their children, felt lucky to be fathers, and um, were really defined by uh, by that that title mm. and wore it with a lot of pride and took it really seriously. And I think, you know, in, in today's society, we very much do define ourselves by our careers and everything. But it, when it comes to purpose, you know, and, and it comes to impact, you're going to have so much more impact on your own children than you will on, you know, really anything else. So it's it's worth taking very seriously. And I think more and more men just are being very public and outspoken about their love of fatherhood. Um, and I, I think President Obama really kicked that off, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's, it's a very important message. Totally. 212-757-5555 to ask a question of Emily Apt if you're a single father or a disadvantaged father. You don't have to be a single father, disadvantaged father. Or if you grew up with one. Or if you grew up with a... a mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 212-757-5555. 71% of high school dropouts came from fatherless families. 75% of substance abuse in adolescence is from fatherless families. This is an important issue. This is This is an important film because it debunks that myth of deadbeat dads. There are real men out there really committed to their children, to their fatherhood, to their partners, um, in spite of really tough, tough circumstances. Uh, Omar's daughter in the film has a number of mental health issues. Um, I think as you, you know, as a single parent, you have to be conversant with mental health issues, mm-hmm. whether your children are suffering from it or not. Um, recognizing, diagnosing, seeing the symptoms in your potential children at certain stages of their lives. Did mental health issues become prominent in the filmmaking? Did you get an education about mental health? Can you talk a little bit about mental health? And I think her name was Marigos uh, in the film? Milagros. Milagros. Which means miracle in Spanish. Oh, wow. Uh, She was named with a lot of intention by Omar. Um, so I think the first thing to be aware of when when thinking about mental health in the context of urban poverty is that poverty is depressing and depression leads to poverty. There's a real sort of cyclical mm. element, and I very much saw that as a former caseworker here in the city myself. Um, and so while these men in the film are incredibly resilient, yes, they felt very beaten down 
um, by their circumstances, by a system that continued to treat them as second-class citizens, as the family court system still does, uh, still very much prefer, pr you know, uh, sort of prioritizes the mother's rights. Um, it's an ongoing issue. Um, so a lot of times these men feel very stigmatized. They feel like they have to go above and beyond to prove that mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. do, in fact, love their kids. Um, and, you know, we put so much emphasis on child support payments that um, that ends up also being um, a very difficult kind of mental health uh, hurdle for a lot of these men, whereby they feel like, you know, I'm being defined uh, by what I am able to provide financially. Maybe I can't sort of hit that mark, mm -hmm. you know, um, and mm -hmm. then they feel very badly about that, and that causes them to retreat. And um, But what we saw these men in the film saying and doing was, like, basically, you know, being honest about not having financial resources, but saying, I still love my kids, I'm still here. And they were showing up in all the ways that they could. So these four gentlemen were very resilient, but definitely dealing with hard circumstances. Mm -hmm. And it was very difficult sometimes for them to have a camera in their face during all this, and they would retreat. Um, but I think due to the strength of our relationship and the, you know, the shared goal of making a film that would illuminate this problem, um, you know, they, they would allow me back in their lives. But it wasn't always easy. Really? Yeah. Were there times when you had to turn off the camera when they said, no, I don't want this on film? I'm, I'm in uh, really delicate moments. Well, a lot of times I would just get ghosted. You know, I, I pretty much stalked these guys <laughs> a lot. <laughs> um, but there were real turning points. I mean, I remember... Um, with Alex, you know, getting access to his um, criminal proceedings and being allowed to film in Bronx Criminal Court was a tricky thing, and it really came down to him in a courtroom saying yes or no um, to the cameras. And I remember the judge was asking him and saying, you know, are you sure you want this stuff on camera? Are you sure? Wow. And he turned and looked over his shoulder at me, and at this point, we were good friends. You know, we had many conversations on and off camera, and we sort of locked eyes, and I held my breath, and I was like, God, please, Alex, come through. Right, and right, he right. said, he said, yeah, she can right. film. Terrific. And we went on with it. It's some of the best footage in the film. Uh, again, the film is Daddy Don't Go by Emily Apt. We're looking for a phone call, 212-757-5555. If you were, uh, know about the Bronx Defenders Program, give us a call, right? You, oh, you talked about this. Amazing. Um, Bronx Defenders Office or organization, or if you're a single father or were raised by one, 212-757-5555. Um, yeah, it's really, really great footage of Alex in the in the courtroom. Um, but again, difficult circumstances in general. So you're always persuading these people, right? You're always you have to be a bit of a coach, I guess, to yeah. to well, let them know you know you're doing great and you're contributing a lot. And uh, tell us a little bit about being a coach, also. Well, I think storytelling is a very, very powerful means of communication. You know, and um, it requires a lot of tenacity and courage on behalf of the people that are uh, in the films, that are making the films. And I just think all of us really had a shared mission to, to show this reality that we hadn't yet seen. Um, and, uh, you know, all the filmmakers had their own sort of personal reasons for being very invested in this film. It certainly wasn't for the money. Um, mm. And with the subjects, you know, I always tried to make the shoots ultimately a positive experience. You know, we'd always take the guys out to lunch and, you know, pay for transportation, try and make it as easy as possible. Um, but we certainly couldn't pay them. That would compromise the, the sort of journalistic integrity of what we were filming. And we didn't have the money either. Yeah, sure. Um, so it really had to be a team effort. Um, and I think ultimately, you know, week after week, year after year, mm. they were showing up for the film because they just believed in it that much. Mm. 
there was one scene with um, Roy and his father. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it was the only scene of one of the gentlemen with their own father talking about their own being raised by their own father, a particularly poignant moment. And I know he didn't really want that kept caught on film either, right? There's that moment where he walks out yeah. of that attempt at some sort of resolution. Yeah, that was definitely a very difficult situation for Roy. And, um, you know, I think he ultimately understood how important it was to share um, that aspect of himself um, and his relationship with his father. Um, But it definitely wasn't easy. Yeah. Are you still in touch with Roy? We'd love to follow up with no. Roy. We'd love to. No, no, no. He's totally iced me, oh, and I'm yes. hoping, I'm mm. hoping, he's going to come back as my friend because I really, really, I, I love all these guys. Yeah. I'll always love all these men in the film and their children. We're deeply bonded, at both as parents and just as human beings. Like we, w- we shared a real experience. Um, but like I said, it's not always easy, and. Um, I think that scene in particular was very difficult for Roy, very yeah. difficult. And only the, the you know the tip of the iceberg, as, as far as I could see. I mean, he had real issues with his dad. We'd love to get him on. Uh, maybe I'll, let's see, how can we do this? We'll have to talk after the show. Roy, you did a tremendous service for people with, yes. with your story, and so did Alex and Omar yep. and Nelson. They sure did a tremendous service. What you see is the integrity of each of these guys. So they're really solid people. I mean, they're solid men. Um, the, the sincerity of them, the, the, the authenticity of them. I mean, there's, it says a lot about their mental health, in spite of mental health struggles. Uh, to be that solid, to accept a film crew into your home, into, the, into the your life. Tremendous, tremendous vulnerability, and that was what impressed me. Yeah. And was I thought very admirable. You are tuned into the Positive Mind here on 99.5 FM, WBAI in New York City. Uh, we're taking your calls, 212-757-5555. We'll be back after this musical break. Hey, yo, be a father. If not, why bother, son? A boy can make them, but a man can raise one. If you did it, admit it, just stick with it. Don't say it ain't yours, because all women are not whores. 90% represent a woman that is faithful. Ladies, can I hear it? When a girl gets pregnant, her man is going to run around. Dissing her for nine months when it's born, he wants to come around. Talking at him, sorry for what I did. And all of a sudden, he now wants to see his kid. She had to bear it by herself and take care of it by herself. And giving her some money for milk won't really help. Half of the fathers with sons and daughters don't even want to take them. But it's so easy for them to make them. It's true, if it weren't for you, then the child wouldn't exist. After a skis, there's responsibility, so don't resist. Be a father to your child. A brother makes a child and then denies it Thinking that money is the answer So he buys it A whole bunch of gifts and a lot of presents It's not the presence, it's your presence And the essence of being there And showing the baby that you care Stop sitting like a chair and have your baby Wondering where you are or who you are Fool your eyes, daddy Don't act like you ain't Cause that really makes me mad, G To see a mother and a baby suffer I had enough of brothers who don't love the fact that a baby brings joy into your life. You can still be called daddy if the mother's not your wife. Don't be scared, be prepared, cause love is gonna get you. It'll always be your child, even if she ain't with you. So don't front on your child when it's your own. Cause if you're right now, then you'll regret it when it's grown. Be a father to your child. Be a father to your child. Put yourself 
in his position and see what you've done. But just keep in mind that you're somebody's son. How would you like it if your father was a stranger and then tried to come into your life and tried to change the way your mother raised you? Now wouldn't that amaze you to be or not to be? That is the question. When you're wrong, you're wrong. It's hard to make a correction. Harassing the mother for being with another man. But if the brother man can do it better than you can, let him. Don't sweat him, Duke. Let him do the job that you couldn't do. You're claiming you was there, but not when she needed you. And now you want to come around for a day or two. It's never too late to correct your mistakes. So get yourself together for your child's sake and be a father to your child. Ed OG and the Bulldogs here on 99.5 FM at WBAI New York. I'm Ben Starr here with Kevin O'Donohue and our guest today, Emily Abt. And we're talking about the film, Daddy Don't Go. Uh, we're taking your calls at 212-757-5555. We have John on the line. Hello, John. Hi, guys. How are you? All Good. Right. How are you, John? Good, co- good conversation. Um, there's a lot, a lot of things to be discussed with this um and not least of which is, you know, the, the father's caring but not being able to, you know, to support the child. But the other thing is they punish the father for not having a job. Like, I, I hurt my leg and uh, totally blew my leg up every tendon and it was torn on my knee. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get disability. They didn't care. They came and locked me up with my leg infected and everything else, threw me in some dingy ju- uh, jail like a debtor prison, you don't get any calls and everything else. It's a good way to find out how your local uh, jail is, I guess. Yeah. But like I said, they don't care if you're wounded, you're psychologically damaged. You don't make the rent on that that child. You go to jail, and they keep doing it. But rather than just save all that money that they're wasting on jail, giving to some foreign company that bought all prisons and making money from Germany that owns our jails. Right. At the two or two three hundred dollars a night, whatever it is per person to pay. Yeah. Important issue. Important issue. So did you did you miss some child support payments? I'm here, but you only have to miss two, and you go to jail. Right. They grab you and they chase you down like a criminal. They come to your house and they sneak in your backyard and all this other stuff. You know, and they uh, illegal search in your backyard, looking for you and everything else, and they say it's legal. How did you get out of it, John? Well, I basically got a job. My leg is still bad, but I'm saying. For the whole time my leg was bad, I wasn't getting disability. They just kept coming and arresting me. Yeah. So they could just keep coming and get, arresting you every two to three weeks, throwing you in jail. So if you, get, if you do get a job and you get caught by them, yeah. you lose your job instantly because... And they pull your license. So they pull your license so you can't get a job. You're a truck driver, like I am. They pull your license. You can't get a truck driving job. Then they throw you in jail to boot. I'm just saying, if that isn't a debtor's prison... I don't know what is. Yeah. And what kind of message are you sending the kids of these fathers, myself included, to throw them in jail because they couldn't get a job for whatever reason, including no jobs being around. But, I mean, what a backward system right. that has turned into. John, we're going to listen to Emily, but thanks for your call. It's a really important issue, so thanks Absolutely. for chiming in. Thank you so Keep much calling for us. sharing. And that what you're saying really resonates with a lot of what I witnessed. And I often ask myself, God, if we could just put a little bit as much effort into um, f- creating jobs programs for disadvantaged, fa- disadvantaged fathers, if we mm. put, took a little bit of effort away from all the child support um, chasing that goes on and, and right. punitive stuff that goes on and put a little more effort towards creating job programs uh, for disadvantaged men out there, that would be really important. And, you know, your story also resonates on a personal level because one of the reasons that my own father got disconnected from his dad is that, uh, you know, his, his father was poor immigrant, didn't speak the language, couldn't get a job, and his mom, you know, out of frustration, uh, kicked him out. And then they ended up in family court 
And um, basically, the the judge said, you know, why why aren't you visiting your son? And my grandfather, um, he he uh, pulled his pockets out to show that he had no money to pay for the visitations. And basically, mm. because he didn't have a job, because he didn't have money, he mm. was really pushed out of uh, my father's life. So anyway, thank you so much for that share. Thank you for the call, John. 212-757-5555 is the number to call. And Roy, mm-hmm. in the film, one of the four gentlemen couldn't get a job. That's right. That's right. right. I mean, he was seemed eager to work, um, able-bodied. Uh, he was actually the night before he was scheduled to start a, a masonry job. Um, they and said told, for, they told him no, don't come because of the background checks. Yes, exactly. And basically, most men a year after um, they get out of uh, prison remain uh, unemployed a year after. And um, you know, there's just great stigma associated with any kind of um, prison sentence. Um, and that's you know, that's a huge movement in this country and and problem that needs to be addressed but it should be that once you've done your time you've done your time mm. but a lot of times that record kind of continues to imprison you to a certain extent so yes Roy was dealing with that issue as well but all all the men in the film very much wanted to work were trying to work um trying to earn money uh, but it's 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 difficult um especially when you don't have that degree um, and, uh, you know, I think in our society, we're, we're very cold about that. You know, we're like, oh, whatever, you know, you can always get a job at McDonald's and stuff. Well, mm-hmm. actually, not everybody can, you know, sure. and especially when you're trying to parent at the same time. Yeah. Did so Alex easy. get the job in the mechanics? Uh, um, he's still, still doing okay. mechanics work, but that's another way that... Um, uh, you know, having a, a previous sentence can really work against you because he needs to get certain certificates to move ahead mm-hmm. in his, mm-hmm. um, you know, mechanic career, and um, that's that's been that's been a challenge. Men in poverty are two times as uh, much to leave. More, yeah. To abandon. Twice as likely. Twice as likely to become absent fathers. Absent fathers. Yeah, it's the pressure of poverty. Um, and that's why I'm very interested to hear from any callers who have been able to, you know, withstand those pressures and continue to show up mm. for their children because those men really impressed the hell out of me. And that's that's who this film is dedicated to. I mean, it's really a love letter to all fathers because fathering and parenting is difficult for everybody. Yeah. But um, I'm especially in awe of, of those men who do it against the odds. So money is the big problem here for these men. Money. Yeah. And making money. Yeah. And having money for for formula, for for food, for rent. What about um, the administ- ACS? I mean, I was, I'm I'm tempted to ask you like, what would you do to change the systems? What systems mm-hmm. need to be changed? Yes, there needs to be like a panel on job creation for felons in mm-hmm. general. I mean. Are we believing that felons can't be reformed? Uh, what are we doing to help felons get jobs? What, uh, yeah, as you're doing this filmmaking, are you like trying to figure out, okay, what would be the solution to these issues? Well, I'm a filmmaker, not a policymaker, but what I was really ultimately trying to do was create more empathy for men like Omar, Roy, Nelson, and Alex, because without empathy, we are going to continue to treat disadvantaged fathers as second-class citizens when it comes to the welfare system and the family court system. And that's what you really continue to see is this ongoing discrimination against disadvantaged dads instead of looking at them with empathy and seeing, like, wait a second, maybe I'm jumping to conclusions here. Maybe these guys really are trying. And what can we do to support their efforts to parent, you know, rather than just constantly put them down and criticize them for not, you know, making that child support payment. Let's let's dig a little deeper and 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 try and be understanding. Two one two seven five seven five 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 is the number to call. Joel is on the line. Hi, Joel. Thanks for calling. I want to start this call off. Hi, guys. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. And I want to start this call call off with God bless you. Huh. And then it's not going to get there though. But I'm gonna try to We're still with you. Come on. All right. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. 
So go ahead. Listen, listen to this. Yeah. You're not going to believe this. In New Jersey, it's really bad. Um, and I've never heard a female. By the way, your voice is beautiful. I don't even know who you are. I just turned it on, and I'm double parked in Manhattan. My daughter's at an audition. But I've <laughs> never heard a female defend us. It's quite humbling. I want to start with that. Whoever that woman is that's with you. The name is Emily. Even Emily. Emily Apt. A B T. Miss Apt, just to hear you level the playing field is so comforting to us. Let me tell you my story real quickly. Two beautiful girls. They went to Penn State, put the college funds aside. I went outside my marriage. I was 100% wrong. I hurt my wife. I was 200% wrong. I'm a Christian. Made a huge mistake. It's on me. I stood in court, told the judge how sorry I was, apologized to my wife. She got into a lawyer. Once you get into the lawyer, they have a whole system set up where they had me removed from the house because she said I yelled at her. Um, never, no violence whatsoever, no criminal charge whatsoever. Mm. I was just a really bad husband, a tremendous father. Took that upon myself, begged my wife for forgiveness. The lawyer said, get him out, and we'll get the house, and then you file for divorce. Never saw my house again, never saw my dog again, never had a conversation again with my wife. Haven't talked to my kids in seven years. Oh. My kids are about to graduate from Penn State. It's the most oh. painful thing in the whole, my, my, deservingly so, I caused this upon myself, and, and Miss Up, I'm not giving no blame nowhere else, mm. but once I got to the point where I put my life in everybody else's hands, there's no forgiveness for us. Right. I, mm. I did my wife wrong, and, I'm, and I got on my knee. I begged God for forgiveness. I, I told everybody around me she didn't deserve it. I, I was wrong. I was totally 100% wrong. But to lose my kids, my dog, my house, I drove a Mercedes-Benz to court and had a sheriff come down with a screwdriver, unscrew the license plates, hand them to me, so that the judge would have that car for my second daughter's education at Penn State, so Joe, which was 160. How do you go huh? on? I mean, this is no, like a, this one is, injustice on, on another one. Go ahead. I, I love you guys for even touching this subject. Yeah, I've sure. never had no one to talk to. But I swear to God, I'm pulled over on 23rd. My daughter's upstairs in an audition. My, I, I got lucky again and found God bless me again. And I, daughter, but I pulled over and I went through station because I was listening to Christian station which is 99.1 mm -hmm. and you guys were on by accident okay. so there's a God there's always a God and I said you guys are talking about my subject and to hear a female talk about this I, you have no idea how much respect I have for you Miss because there's no my, my judge was a female and, and I lost everything and wound up sleeping in the back of my car deservingly so because I cheated on my wife but the rest of the stuff that us men have to go through after that is mm. really bad they caught like the guy said the previous caller I caught the end of it they make it impossible for you to get out of this hole if you're sincere enough to get out of it I am sincere enough I don't even, I haven't talked to my kids in seven years well, they well think here's of the me thing as the, here's the thing that's actually to me the 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 greatest sadness in this situation is obviously I feel very bad for you that you know that. you've been I think you know overly punished for your sins I think so. but um the 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 people that my heart really bleeds for are are your daughters you know my and I think I think Right. They both got one of them works for Oprah. Well, that's <laughs> wonderful. They're doing okay, and and yeah. that might yeah. be in part because they have a father who really loves them, and that's that's the thing is um, there's collateral there's collateral, yes, damage collateral damage in yes. not in yeah. not having empathy towards disadvantaged dads or Thank dads you. that you know screw up, make some mistakes, yep. and and you don't want the children to be the collateral dam damage. But, but when, we, the, when the right. when the wife right. when the wife gets so angry when she turns the kids on them. That's um, a big problem. That's wrong. It. That's yeah. wrong. I owned it. Joel, owned there, it. there had to be other issues going on. I mean, uh, you know, no, a, a lot of men it. cheat on their wives and, and don't, like, lose their family, their houses, mm. their kids, their dog, and uh, Let everything. me tell you something. Don't cheat, don't cheat on a Hispanic woman. <laughs> a scorned Hispanic woman is a very scorned woman. I understand. And she's been through it before. There is a little bit more to it. She's been I through understand. it before in a previous marriage, so she was done with that. Joel, you've given a great service to our audience. We are 99.5 WBAI here in New York City, so thank you for calling us. Call us again. And good for you for staying present for your daughters against the odds. Very good. That's the key. 212-757-5555. Spirited men who really were jilted by the system and are really trying to, and did the right thing anyway. They followed through. He followed through. 
probably paid her tuition, um, did what it that well, does. Well, that's why Sleeping I in your car, going from a house and a Mercedes to sleeping in the back seat of a car somewhere. Well, I think, um, you know, retribution always feels good in the moment. You know, he there was obviously a huge payback for mm. uh, the, the misdeeds that he did. But I also very, very strongly believe, and this is important for my own marriage, too, that there's no love without forgiveness. There's no love without forgiveness. And you have to role model that for your children as well. Um, you have to try and forgive each other and work through stuff, you know, even if it means you're not going to stay together, but mm-hmm. at least you're going to treat each other mm-hmm. with kindness and try and have some friendship as you co-parent separately in a way. Yeah. Because if you don't, if you, if you can't somehow find a way towards forgiveness, then there's no healing, and and the the children. They they need both parents in That's their lives. That's right. Even if know? they're graduates of uh, Penn State, they still need their parents. Exactly, and you don't want them to suffer because the parents aren't together anymore. Two one two seven five seven five 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 five. We're here with Emily App, the documentary filmmaker of Daddy Don't Go. We're talking about disadvantaged fathers, single fathers, or just fathers who are disadvantaged for whatever reason. I mean, Nelson in the film um, was raised by six different foster families mm-hmm. within six months. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we must see this pattern of these kinds of young men growing up, having families, and then abandoning, probably more likely abandoning than sticking with it. I mean, it's a credit to Nelson who said that, uh, I don't have a father, I'm my own father mm-hmm. in the film. Yeah. And goes ahead and actually becomes a father to his children, sticks it out. But he had issues with 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 making a living, right? Uh, can you talk a little bit about what he did to try and make a living? Yeah, well, Nelson talked a lot about this sort of allure of a dangerous life, you know, fast money. And I think, you know, when we think about high incarceration rates and um, what leads to that, you know, a lot of men, young men on the streets these days, they're they're desperate, you know, and they are willing to do illegal things to make money. And thankfully, Nelson was, um, you know, smart enough to resist that pull because he knew that he couldn't parent well from prison. Um, but poverty. But that is was also the only reason, right? Well, yeah, he because poverty is is really humiliating, and you know, if the opportunity is there. To, to make real money real quick, um, that's very hard to, yes. to turn away from. Yes. And, and we can't be judgmental about that about a, a, in, in our society. Mm. That is real. And we have to put ourselves in that position and ask ourselves, what would we do? Um, but ultimately, he was willing to resist that temptation. He went to Florida in search of you know, a job, um, didn't work out, came back to New York, where, um, as he says in the film, New York, there's always a job because e- everybody's hustling in New York. That which is we love. true. <laughs> that's that's a very true statement. That's a shout-out to Nelson up in the South Bronx. We're coming to the end of our hour here today. You are tuned into The Positive Mind, but we want to take one more phone call. We have Jocelyn on the line. Hello, Jocelyn. Thanks for giving us a call today. Hi, how are you? Emily, that's a great subject. Uh, yes, the men do need uh, women who speak on their behalf and uh, the gentleman who called earlier said that he was so happy to hear you I can tell him that there are quite a few women who have common sense enough to remember that it was love that got them together with their mate and they don't have to kill them after things don't work out <laughs> okay? right. mm. so, and actually a lot of women who have had uh, issues with their mate don't even bother to ask for child support they mm-hmm. decide uh, to raise the child by themselves because sometimes they're so hurt and disgusted then they do it by themselves one thing I, I, w- I wanted to say uh, uh, there are quite a few women who decide uh, oh well what I wanted to say is that the system itself uh, and you spoke about the system earlier. The system itself is not helping in this situation. Divide to conquer has always been their model. Male against male, races against races, and blah, blah, blah. And they make money off the child support uh, uh, system. That's why they are not helping when uh, men and women are having uh, uh, problems and they don't want them to reconcile because some money 
get out of their pocket. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, that's why it is. So women, men and, and female, always remember that love had gotten you with the person to have a child. So sit down like two civilized human beings and work it out instead of going to the system. Do you, have, do you have children, Jocelyn? Yes, I do. I have a son, and, and I've had this issue. Yeah. My uh, my husband cheated on me, and then well, I was hurt because uh, remember that marriage is a social construct. So yes. In four of, in front of five hundred uh, people, you say that you're gonna be into monogamy, mm. and you decided to go into polygamy. Mm. Uh, it's not easy. But yeah. I got out of the system. We sat together and decided that he's going to give what he can for child support. And that's really to be commended. And your daughter, I'm sure, has totally benefited from that, from that peace between you two. You're working together with him. That, oh, my father doesn't know me and he doesn't, because I kept on insisting so that they can uh, keep contact. Yeah. But it, it had worked out for, for the better because he has, at the end, made amend. He had paid for my son's uh, uh loan for his school so oh, it's good. better to, to remember that love had gotten you together in the first place alright Jocelyn thank you you're going to be oh. our last caller today keep calling us in the future okay I will thank, thank you. you thank so you much. Jocelyn thank you okay this has been great thank you so much uh, Emily Abt where is that name from that's ABT. a German that's Jewish a German name, Jewish name. <laughs> ABT. there's not a lot of apps around <laughs> anymore sadly there's a lot of apps but not apt Anyway, uh, welcome and thank you for being here. She, Emily Apt, is the documentary filmmaker of Daddy Don't Go. Tell them again how they can get access to this. Of course, we'll be offering the DVD during the fun drive, but tell them how they could get it um, if they paid $1,000 somehow. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can get it for a lot less than that on um, newdayfilms.com. Uh, that's our distributor. And... Um, uh, basically, you know, if you attend any kind of university, you can also access the film through Canopy. Oh, one of the um, benefits of being a student still yeah. is you get access. Yeah, but check out New Day Films. Um, Emily, thanks. So we're getting more calls coming in, but thank you yeah. so much for being here. We'll have to get these four guys here in the studio. That would be amazing. We have six mics here in our studio. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in two weeks for our fun drive. Please tune in then. Um, you've been listening to The Positive Mind here at 99.5 FM, WBAI in New York. Yeah, you're looking sweet, Bye.